You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Sort of interested in doing the show with a puppy at my ankles right now. That's something new. Hopefully the dog does not disrupt the program. How's your Monday, Ken Flo? October 16th, 2023. It is episode 442 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm going to the Middle East, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, wheels up tomorrow. I got a little extra, little extra energy today, Ken Flo, pay-per-view week. How we doing? Uh, I could see why, man. Massive, massive card. Even with all the changes, I think it's a phenomenal card. And uh, I, I don't envy the long flight there, Johnny boy. That That is a long flight, but... Man, uh, that all kind of goes away when you see all the fighters line up on fight night. So that should be fun. UFC 294, Makashev versus Volkanovski 2 live on pay-per-view. 2 p.m. Eastern start time on ESPN Plus, right in the middle of all your college football. A lot of our audience is responding to me as if to say, I'm not watching college football. But yes, a UFC pay-per-view in the middle of the afternoon. I'm going straight from the Eddie Hot Arena to the airport. It's actually a pretty quick trip, all things considered. Get in late Wednesday night and leave right after the show. Uh, but yeah, the only inconvenient truth about it, of course, is uh, is the flight. We're very excited to be there. Very excited to get back to Abu Dhabi. And those three fights at the uh, the bottom of the pay-per-view, Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker in a light heavyweight title eliminator. Your new look co-main event at middleweight Hamzat Shimaev trying to stay undefeated against the decorated former UFC welterweight champ Kamar Usman. And then eventually all roads lead you to the lightweight championship out and the rematch between Islam Makashev and Alexander Volkanovsky. We have predictions from Ken Flo, I think like seven of them coming up later in the week. Very excited about that. The greatest bantamweight of all time, Dominic Cruz, will join us here coming up in less than an hour. He was on the call for Sadiq Youssef and Edson Barboza at the UFC Apex just a couple of days ago. And, of course, Ray Longo coming up bottom of the of the hour for uh, his weekly Ray Longo Minute. Also want to let you know, as of today, Monday, October 16th, JohnAnik.com is now live. All of the new, well, I shouldn't say all, but most of the new merchandise designs Shout out to our artist, Joe Romero, doing fantastic work as usual. JohnAnik.com launches today. 20% off all of the new Anakin Florian podcast designs through UFC 294 this weekend. So go to JohnAnik.com. Very proud to launch this website uh, as a vehicle for this show. All of Kenny Florian's websites can be accessed there as well. And I do need to acknowledge my dear sister-in-law, Amanda Anik. Small shout out, I guess, to my twin brother, Jay, for helping along the side. But Amanda has been dutifully putting together this website and our store. All of this merchandise will be accessible on Instagram, I think through Shopify, something like that. So this is one of the designs. Anakin Florian toy shirt. Collect them all. Combined with your Boston playset for ultimate fun. And it says at the top, the show that separates the men from the toys. So very excited about all of that, but we need to get into some mixed martial arts. And before we do recap Edson Barboza's resounding win over Sadiq Youssef, I want to talk about the former two-time UFC middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, Adesanya, the last style bender, 
stepping away from the game seemingly for a little bit of time. Now, this was something that a lot of us expected. I'm just going to read the quote from Izzy and uh, get Ken Flo's reaction here. This is the former UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. I'm going to take some time to look after myself, and I'm not going to fight for a long time. I'm definitely not going to retire because I know me. I'm not leaving like that. I know me, but if I did, I'm fine. I don't need to prove anything else, but I know what I can do and what I can change in my lifestyle to make my body adapt to where I need to be. And therein lies the rub, that quote right there. I'm going to heal myself up. You won't see me fight for a long time. Lifestyle change. So that could speak to any number of different things. You know, certainly I think Adesanya at times has spread himself a little bit thin leading up to this fight. He was unveiling the documentary. We talked about the strength of schedule and just the promotional workhorse that he has come to be. Nobody has really fought more. No champion has fought more since he made his UFC debut in Perth. Not that long ago, Kenny, February of 2018 at UFC 221. So we're definitely not getting an immediate rematch between him and the new champ, Sean Strickland. And it sounds like we won't be seeing your friend Izzy for some time. Yeah, that's right. I think that um, it's extremely difficult to perform at that high of a level with that level of consistency in the UFC over time. There's a reason you don't see champions fight that often. Um, you know, it, not only are you preparing for five round wars all the time, but it, it also will wear on you not only physically, but spiritually and mentally. You know, you're always doing the, the interviews, you're traveling around, you're, you're constantly in camp, you're bringing people in. So you're always managing a bunch of different things, no matter what kind of a team you have supporting you. So I, I think he's making the right decision here. And, and I think that when you get away with winning for so long, you think, hey, I'm invincible here. I'm fighting this Sean Strickland guy. What can he do to me? I'm, I'm a far superior fighter than him. But the reality is, is that if you are not in optimal condition, um, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, anyone, especially someone as experienced and dangerous and, and tough as Sean Strickland, um, they can absolutely beat you uh you you know you have to always be at your best at the highest level uh and i think izzy found that out the hard way you know obviously he had those very difficult fights against Pereira. that will take it out of you um but then going in against a guy like sean strickland in that kind of style and having little things mount up whether it was injuries or time or whatever um it'll beat you up and, and i think that time off is well deserved and i think it's a smart decision uh, by the former champ in terms of Adesanya's legacy overall, Kenny, he did go up to 205 pounds and challenge Jan Bohovic. And it seemed as though maybe there was some dissension or disagreement between him and Eugene Behrman in terms of that career decision at that particular time. They felt like collectively they came to the conclusion that it was a good time to strike and pursue that belt, if not goal, but it seemed like Eugene Behrman was more the driving force. So, yeah, maybe Anderson Silva Adesanya is not in terms of his middleweight legacy, at least right now. But if he never fought again, Kenny, uh, he's one or two or at worst three in terms of the greatest UFC middleweight champions of all time. Is he not? No question about it. And, and when you talk about the striking that he brought into the octagon, the manner in which he went out and executed and, and had that classic rematch against Pereira, these are things that people will remember or should remember about Adesanya. And, and if you're a striker looking for success and you have that tall, rangy build like Adesanya have, that's a guy you got to study because what he has done in the octagon has been nothing short of amazing, not only with his technical performances, uh, but with his consistency and 
uh, the attention that he's brought to the octagon when he does compete. Yeah, I feel like thanking the guy is probably uh, in order, and uh, we'll see when we see Adesanya. Knowing him the way I do, I find it exceedingly hard to believe, Kenny, that he could just be idle for all of 2024 and take the whole year off. You know, I think maybe this speaks to like nine months or so, and... Again, though, if you look back to the uh, the Alex Pedeta fight that he won in unbelievably dynamic fashion, that was in April in Miami, and maybe you party a little bit, you documentary, everything else, and may, you're not going 12 weeks hard. The Sean Strickland fight came together pretty quickly. A lot of yeah. people wonder what Drake's Duplessis might have done if he had gotten that opportunity on that particular night, but Sean Strickland's the new champ, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be ceremonious when Izzy comes back, no matter when that is. All right, let us. Give Edson Barboza his flowers. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? And this show, maybe this week, is not going to be wondering aloud as to whether or not this is a UFC Hall of Famer. I think hopefully one of his fights will end up in the Hall of Fame if he falls short in terms of his own body of work in the modern era. But a huge main event win for Edson Barboza. He takes it by unanimous decision over pretty game Sadiq Youssef, 49-46 and then 48-46 times two. And you know, it's a five-round fight, and Barboza certainly had to lean on his cardiovascular base and all of his skills to get it done over 25 minutes, but I do believe he was the rightful winner. Your thoughts? This was an amazing achievement by a guy who's been in the UFC for an extremely long time now, um, has had success at 155 pounds, 145 pounds. And I think it's an interesting study to how you really can reinvent yourself in this game. I think that if there's been a knock on someone like Edson Barbosa, it's been that when things get difficult, when he starts to get tired, that's when you can take him out. He could fade and you can kind of uh, maybe um, see a vulnerability in his heart and determination. But I think that narrative can kind of be thrown away now after that performance against someone like Youssef. I think two things were evident. First of all, he is still very much a hungry UFC fighter. And number two, he really did his homework and his work outside of just the technical part of the sport to improve his conditioning to a level where it did not fail him. I, I heard you know, the commentators talking about him doing a lot of triathlon style training. And that is extremely beneficial, I think, especially to a guy who is very fast twitch or used to that kind of fast twitch explosive movement like Edson Barbosa. And I think that when you can push your body and your brain to those levels of doing that, you know, distance training, whether it's on a bike or swimming or running, you take your body to different levels and you realize I can go hard. I can go for a long period of time and actually have my conditioning be a weapon. And I think that was the difference. It was, it was, it was his experience, certainly, to make no mistake about that. But because he could rely on his conditioning, I think it allowed him to bring out those weapons deep into that fight and steal that fight. It was just an amazing performance, especially when you see what he had to withstand in round one. Man, he took a beating. And it just in the back of my mind, I said, he wants to get through this round. If he can get through this round or get through the middle of second round, he can win this fight. And when yeah. he started doing that, he really started clawing back, started attacking the body in, in fantastic fashion, and ended up pulling one of the best wins of his career. Just phenomenal stuff there from Edson Barbosa, one of the nicest guys in the sport. I love to hear your excitement about that achievement, and I'm not sure if we gave you a second take. You could have encapsulated that win any better in another 90 seconds. Before we spin it forward on the Barbosa front, what were your thoughts on Sadiq Yusuf in defeat? 
Uh, listen, I think this is a kid that you got to watch. I think that there was a lot of promise in that young man. I think that the way that he fought um, w- was the right approach. I think that the body damage that he was taking uh, and when he stopped being able to be successful up against the cage, he, he stopped with that pressure and it just changed the dynamic. So I think that with um, you know maybe a little bit more of a complete approach and with a more composed approach, he could have won that fight. It's certainly one of those things that you are going to learn a lot from. So I wouldn't expect, or I, I would expect Yusef to come back much, much stronger after this fight, much more experienced, and I think with a lot more tools. But this kid is extremely dangerous. It may not look like it, but every shot he's throwing, he's trying to hurt you. Has heavy hand, he's heavy-handed for sure. He's well-rounded. He's good everywhere. Um, kept it close enough, but it just wasn't enough against the more experienced Barbosa. So much valuable experience accrued for the Nigerian-American Sadiq Youssef. And he's only 30 years of age. Barboza is going to be 38 in January. So Youssef does have time. But it does hearken me back to Grant Dawson a couple of weeks ago. These guys sort of in that lower third of the rankings trying to get to those fights involving fighters ranked, say, 5 through 10. And now Sadiq Yusuf's going to have to build himself back. Now, you can get the high-profile fight, right? Because I think Yusuf has a fun style. I think the promotion likes him. So he could easily find himself in a fight against number 6 or 7 in the world. But I do think Sadiq Yusuf is going to use these 25 minutes, if I know him, to, uh, to his full advantage as he spins his career forward. But Edson Barboza, to accomplish this over 25 minutes – at this stage of his UFC career, I mean, it speaks to so many different things. It speaks to what you said, the hunger, the work ethic, just the overall commitment to mixed martial arts. Uh, he'll now take Sadiq Yusuf's number 11 at the very least. I mean, what are your thoughts on Edson Barboza in terms of these elite featherweights? Has he fought Max Holloway yet? Right. I mean, it's not out of the yeah. realm of possibility. Yeah. I mean, that Barboza, uh, you know, can get the fights because he has a name. Right. No, I think this is one of those. It could potentially be one of those fight shifting uh, performances where I, I don't know. You see this resurgence in a guy like Edson Barbosa. He's got some great momentum now at this point. Um, I think Edson Barbosa a couple of years ago, maybe even a year ago, wouldn't have been able to pull that off, I don't think. And, and I think this is a massive shift for him mentally, spiritually, as a fighter. Um, and I, I think that you, you, you've never really questioned his technical ability or his physicality as a fighter. He's always been phenomenal in that department. But I think adding in that extra level of conditioning and perhaps that mental toughness as well, um, I, I think – it shows that he can at least make a run for the belt again. He's had his setbacks, but I think it was because some of the things that we've talked about, I'm not sure that's a factor at this stage of the game. Yes, he's a little bit older. I'm not sure I see saw a real drop in any speed or anything like that, yeah. reaction time. So I think that these are positive signs that as a fighter, you know, um, you can't get better. You can get better with age. You can teach an old dog new tricks. And I, I love to see that. I love to see that evolution and development in Edson Barbosa's game because, you know, from a speed perspective, from a, a weapons perspective, offensively, he's one of the most impressive guys at 145 or 155. He's got a, a great team behind him. He's on his way, man. I think this could be a big shift in his style and in his game. So uh, awesome performance. 
Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion, right? So obviously that in and of itself sounds pretty daunting, but nice to sort of have this career appreciation day for American top teams, Edson Barboza. And when you do look in terms of the career wins list, if you go retrospective, right? A lot of big names on here. At 55 and 45, Danny Castillo, Evan Dunham, Bobby Green, Paul Felder. These are wins, never mind. Yeah. Guys like Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov, who he faced. Anthony Pettis, a win. Gilbert Melendez, a win. Benil Daryush, one of my favorite calls and moments ever when he uh, when he knocked out Benny Daryush there in Fort Deleza. Dan Hooker with a knockout. Mach yeah. Wanamir Connie, Shane Burgos. Then he had the losses to Giga Chikadze and Bryce Mitchell. And yeah, after that Bryce Mitchell loss at UFC 272, I think a lot of people would have closed the door in terms of contention for Edson Barboza. And what a 2023 it's been for him. Knocks out Billy Corntello in a co-main event in which he was the underdog. That was back in April. And then, of course, the main event win over Sadiq Youssef. Congratulations to uh, to an all-around good egg, Edson Barboza, father. And uh, yeah, he'll be 38 in January, but uh, maybe a fight with Max Holloway in the not-too-distant future makes some sense does appear as though holloway and Ilya toporia could very well be on a collision course for an interim featherweight title fight in january although knowing alexander volkanovsky the way i know him uh you know unless his forehead gets split wide open and this is like you know a sean shirk versus kenny florian gruel fest i feel like Volk's going to do everything in his power to be there in defense of the undisputed title against Ilya toporia in january but Enough about that. All right. We also congratulate Viviani Araujo. Big win for her over Jennifer Maya in the co-main event. That absolutely moves her forward in the women's 125-pound division. But in the nature of time, I got to talk about Jonathan Martinez, right? Whatever you do, don't, don't mess with this kid like in a public place, right? You think this guy is unassuming. What an absolute killer with the leg kicks, right? And Adrian Yanez came in off a loss to Rob Font. A lot of people felt like maybe it was a bad time to be fighting him after what happened against him in Miami back in April. But all Jonathan Martinez on what was obviously a big night for the youngster and for Factory X. My goodness, man. Can we just call him the chainsaw? I mean, his ability to chop down people's legs, dude, is insane. His speed is extremely impressive, but just his ability to really manage that distance, to keep guys on the outside and to rip that leg over and over and over again so shows a sophistication and a mastery of fundamentals, which you really don't see very often. I mean, I mean, Everyone fighting someone like Martinez at this standpoint, they know what you're going to get. You got to be able to shut down that leg kick. And for whatever reason, Yanez did not do his homework in that regard, was just leaning way too far over that lead leg, which gave him little chance to stop that, those speedy kicks on the inside for Martinez. And, um, Martinez was not taking it easy on Yanez. Once he, sh- once he saw that vulnerability and weakness, he kept, attacking it and poking that cut over and over and over again. And uh, Yanez just could not recover, man. Um, But such a powerful weapon, uh, really singular in nature. Um, And then if he was in range of boxing, Martinez was just landing nice, clean shots. He wasn't forcing it. Um, He's really coming into his own, man. Very, really maturing as a fighter. And beating a guy like Yanez shows that you are legit and uh, you are clearly doing your work. And he's on his way to a potential title shot in the near future. Uh, Martinez is a stud, man. As soon as I saw that betting line and saw Jonathan Martinez favored, and I know some people were convicted on the Yanez side. I know you did pick Jonathan Martinez. Mm -hmm. I just felt like, yeah, he's favored. He's going to win that fight. And it's six in a row 
last three of which have come against Cub Swanson, Saeed Nurmagomedov, who of course fights at UFC 294, and then Adrian Yanez. I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, th- there weren't like a ton of wrinkles to this fight, but gosh, I mean, I think Jonathan Martinez can be a world champion. Like, am I going too far? I mean, it's a tough division, but when I went through the rankings this morning, you know, I think he's competitive against a lot of these big names in the top five at 135 pounds. I, I would imagine you got to share some, if not all of that enthusiasm for uh, for Jonathan Martinez now with six straight wins. For sure, man. And again, it's not like he's uh, wowing you or dazzling with you a bunch of, with, with a bunch of different techniques or approaches. Um, you just can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. Um, and he's very good at forcing you into his game. And that's a sign of a great fighter who understands fighting a, a, a lot more. And I think for Yanez, he's got a bunch of moves. He's got some offensive tools for sure. Um, I think he had a lot of momentum at one point in that division, which is absolutely stacked. But Martinez is showing that he is at a different level. This was one of those fights we we're going to find out. Um, I think I still think we found out that Yanez is still a fantastic fighter, uh, but defensively he's got some work to do, and that was a concern for me in that fight. Um, both have great offense, but Martinez just has better defense. He really wasn't getting hit with a lot of the cleaner shots. I think that was yeah. the difference. Um, and once he put Yanez on one leg, man, it, it really was all over. But the toughness that Yanez showed, man, there's oh. a lot of people that would have tapped out a lot earlier than that. But uh, Martinez kicks just too much, man. Yeah, Jan Yez will be back. There's no doubt about it. Still a young man, and uh, hopefully he took lightly our pronunciation of the week last week. We were really bringing to light his situation, but he did comment on our Anna Florian Pod Instagram post that the impetus for him changing his name to the rightful pronunciation from Yanez to Jan Yez uh, is his son, right? Power to you. I felt like there was some sort of family directive. Uh, maybe it come from, came right. from above, or maybe it was just, uh, just him. All right, so... Adrian Yanez came in number 14 in the world. Jonathan Martinez, 13. And I'm just going to give you some of the names ranked above. J-Mott, Ricky Simone, Umar Nurmagomedov, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, who will join us here in about a half an hour. Rob Font, Song Yadong, Cheeto Vera, Piotr Jan, Corey Sandhagen, Henry Cejudo, May Rob Dwalish, Willie Aljamain Sterling, all chasing Sean O'Malley, right? I mean, you don't think Jonathan Martinez can match up with Piotr Jan? Right? Am I getting ahead of myself? Rob Font? I mean, these are great fights. Song Yadong? A lot of fights on the table for Jonathan Martinez. And uh, that's why when you win a fight like this, right, as opposed to losing it, all of a sudden it just opens up the whole division. Whereas for Adrian Yanez, you know, his next fight, yeah, maybe it'll be against number 15 or number 13, but the amount of pressure that's going to be on Adrian in his next fight is, uh, is pretty significant, at least in terms of, you know, title contention and all of that stuff. All right. Michel Pereira is a middleweight and certainly has the power. He knocks out Andre Petrosky. The TKO comes at 106, Kenny, of round one. And uh, obviously, Michel Pereira left a five-fight winning streak in the welterweight division in large part because he couldn't make the weight consistently. This is his new home and a pretty good start for the Brazilian. I agree. I I think it's the right division for him as well. He was absolutely massive at welterweight. I think this is going to be a division where he can make the weight a lot better and still retain his strength, his energy. Um, and he's going to bring that speed with him as well. And, and he showed, as you mentioned, that he does have power to knock people out People out at 185 pounds. Petrosky is a big middleweight. He's a big dude, uh, thick, 
wrestler who was a tough stylistic matchup for him. He just never let it get to that realm. There was no grappling. Um, and Pereira landed a beautiful shot right down the middle that surprised Petrovsky. The speed was just the speed advantage was significant. And from there, uh, you know, he hurt Petrovsky and just took him out on the ground with some good ground and pound. So I'm excited to see what Pereira's got in store, man. He's got a lot of tools, a lot of weapons offensively. Uh, and I think it's a division that isn't so grappling heavy like the welterweight right, division. Right. So I think it gives him a better shot, at least to, to make it his way towards the top of that division. And he does have submissions, right? I mean, I think when you talk about the lack of grapplers, maybe you're more talking defensively, you know, but he does have a lot of different ways to get fighters out of there, plus athlete to be sure, great frame. Doesn't always win in the court of public opinion because of some of the antics and maybe the body language and certainly – that loss to Tristan Connolly is something that he's had to distance himself from, but Michel Pereira is uh, is a force, and he gets it done in a big way, gets his bonus for his troubles, as, as did Jonathan Martinez. One other main card note here before we uh, get to Ray Longo. So Christian Rodriguez weighed in at 140 pounds for his fight against Cameron Simon, and I felt like it would be burying the lead to say anything else first, but C-Rod is really fun to watch fight. I, I'm also bullish on the South African Cameron Simon. I do think he's going to be a top 15 fighter at the very least in the future. Um, but Christian Rodriguez, in my mind, deserved to win this fight and uh, was able to put the weight miss on Friday behind him with a W. I enjoyed the hell out of that fight. I, oh. I think that it was one of the more technical fights, uh, perhaps the most technical fight of the night. Uh, Simon is definitely someone to watch this kid is game he's got a lot of great tools he was in that fight he was staying you know uh, he was trying to bring that pressure he was trying to counter but rodriguez man he looks like a dude that has been around the block and then some like just fighting like a true pro through and through we need to of course subtract the fact that he did not make weight for that fight but man this kid has skills everywhere everywhere and i wish i knew that prior to the rosas fight because um i think that uh he's someone that could potentially fight for the belt i do think he's that good he's just a slick slick operator um everywhere everywhere just there was no place in that fight where he looked uncomfortable or wasn't trying to set something up i mean even on the ground if he was on his back, he was winning those exchanges. He was doing more striking. He was attacking. He was the more technical guy. And again, he did this against a young and game fighter and Simon. So uh, very bullish on Christian Rodriguez. He needs to get his weight in order. Um, but this is a kid who knows how to counter. He knows how to move forward. He can wrestle. He can uh, grapple. Uh, he could counter. I mean, just everywhere. It's just phenomenal to watch. Real pretty. He really is. He really is fucking good. And that's why you just hope the discipline will be there to actually make 35 consistently. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. And he's in his mid-20s, and now he has wins over two of the finer young prospects in this division in Raul Rosas Jr. and Cameron Simon. And some people wonder aloud, oh, why are you having these guys fight? It does build history, potentially. If you believe in all three of these athletes, as I do, Christian Rodriguez, Cameron Simon, and Raul Ross, Rosas Jr., now they all have some history. And uh, I have no doubt Simon will build back up. But yes, hero, absolutely uh, a problem. And uh, we congratulate him on one of the bigger wins of his career. All right, Ray Longo coming up in about 60 seconds. But you know what it is. A rematch for the lightweight title going down this Saturday afternoon at UFC 294. Will Islam Akashev successfully defend... Or will the featherweight champ Alexander Volkanovsky rest the belt away? Well, no matter who you've got, DraftKings Sportsbook 
has got you covered. Bringing the action your way, new customers can bet just five bucks to land $200 instantly in bonus bets. Do you like Makashev as the betting favorite? Perhaps you see some value on the Volkman north of plus 200 on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Whatever your inclination, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, not now, but right now. Use code AFPOD. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's code AFPOD only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash MMA terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, I got to get a guy who can read the disclaimer at the end of the commercial. I'm 45 years old. Maybe by the time I'm 50, I'll have a guy. For now, we get to our guy, the star of the show. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. You like that commercial spot today? Hold on one second. Eating better has gotten a whole lot easier with Factors Fantastic ready-to-eat meals. These meals really are delicious. My daughters actually were fighting me for them just last week. These meals are chef-crafted, never frozen, and ready to go in just two minutes. The convenience and the taste value is absolutely undeniable. And depending on your preferences, you can choose from over 35 different options per week. That includes Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto as well. I happen to have gone with the Keto option. But whatever it is, your lifestyle or diet, if you are looking for fast premium options with no cooking required, Factor is the perfect solution for you. And we've done the math for you. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And how about this robust offer from Factor? Head to factormeals.com slash flow50 and use code flow50 to get 50% off. That's code flow50, F-L-O-50 at factormeals.com slash flow50 to get 50% off. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. What's so crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Just the morning, the fucking yellow sky right outside. It's fucking nuts, right? Holy Christ. (laughs) You know what? There's a a little bit of an echo, so there might be a delay with what you're saying. Just so Uh you know. Just a disclaimer up front. Thank you. Yeah. We have uh, had a delay for back-to-back weeks on the Ray Longo Minute, but it is great to see your face Great to be for me on the backside of that commercial spot, right? It's like my reward for getting through that DraftKings Sportsbook commercial <laughs> without messing it up too bad is I get to see Ray Longo. Oh, I just love listening to you talk, John. So I just, yeah. I'm happy. You get <laughs> so, me in the happy mood before I get on. It's all Well, good. I love it. Well, that's good. Well, I know sometimes my energy can be off-putting, but some people were introduced to my twin brother for the first time on the Anakin Florian podcast last week because we had to retape an episode and he stepped up. And some people are suggesting that he is like me on Adderall. You know, he's even like another level up <laughs> in terms of just the chaos and the crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's a so, very interesting, interesting take on Jason. Yeah. So, all right. A lot of things to get into with you today. Uh, let's start with the hip. How we doing? How we feeling? 
Yeah, really good. Getting better uh, every day. Starting to, I starting to really feel good. You know, good. I, I did work out last week and pushed it a little too hard, so I got knocked back on my ass a bit. But I, I get, I get where we're going now. Okay, it'll good. keep you in check for a while, but I feel great. Good. Well, I can't wait to see you next month. Now, what we would like you to do is if you could stand up and drop your drawers and show the entire podcast audience your scar. Are we able to do that or not? No? You don't want to do that? All right. Oh, we can move on. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I'm willing to do it. I don't know if, if this crowd is willing to accept that. That's, uh, that, you know, you might never get that out of your head again. That's a, not a good thing. The so, scar right. looks great, man. The guy was good. Hardly any scar at all. Good. All right, look at that cold brew, never far yeah. from the lips of Ray Longo. All right, so I want to get into Edson Barbosa, a lot of different things to get into. I know you don't always listen to our show back, and I don't blame you, right? But we're trying to raise $15,000 to bribe Brian Petrie and his wife for him to get the Darren Elkins damage tattoo oh, on his chest. Do you know this damage tattoo that no, I'm speaking of? So Darren Elkins no. has a tattoo in almost like electrician's font that says the damage, like lightning bolts on his chest, right? I love Darren Elkins, yes. and we certainly should celebrate his 18th UFC win. What an absolute fucking warrior. I don't necessarily love oh, the tattoo sure. for me or Brian Petrie in terms of like our family gatherings. I feel like it's a very loud tattoo, Kenny. It's loud. It's so loud. It's loud and ugly. We're trying to raise $15,000 because Brian Petrie was asking me on the show last week, like, what's my number? Like, how much money do I need to get the damage tattoo all over my chest? And, you know, regardless of what my number was, Brian Petrie and his wife, if we can get them 15 grand, he's going to get this tattoo. And like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, think about his kids and his wife a little bit, but like, I think we could raise the money. So we've raised $2,500. We need 12,500. So I'm just letting you know, we're not asking for a contribution, but just letting you know. Right. Oh, wow. That's interesting, man. You can't, you can't rustle up 15 grand. Through well, we viewers. just started this. I can't believe it. Oh, I'm hoping oh, okay, that one right. of these whales, you know, maybe my tailor, Mark yeah. Russell can step up. No, I mean, I'm hoping that somebody, no, if we really push this out there on social media, I'm pretty confident we can get to $15,000, you know, and then there'll be, of course, pressure on the Petries to make a nice donation to charity and not actually take the winnings and then he'll have this tattoo. (laughs) We got to move on. We got to move on. So, so today we launched johnanik.com. All of the Ray Longo Minute merchandise is now there. So the new Ray Longo Minute t-shirts are up there. 20% off all Ray Longo Minute t-shirts through UFC 294. Uh, All right, Edson Barboza. So Kenny masterfully sort of outlined this win for us earlier in the show, but it's just amazing to see a guy evolve and just have this type of appetite for, for UFC glory at almost 38 years of age, still getting it done against, you know, young guys coming, trying to take his spot. Yeah. Not, not, not not just getting it done, but, taken an absolute beating before he gets it done so he he has the drive and the will still to to power through those situations where a lot of guys probably would have quit after that i mean what a beating he takes in the first round to come back like that at 38 years old um and you could see kenny it was it was sheer determination because he looked sometimes like in slow motion after the first yeah. round, but he was still going forward. And every so often you have a burst, you could see it. And then uh, listen to him speak after the fight. I think 
you know, you know exactly what was going on. He had no idea where he was, and then he finally figured out, you know, my, I'm not at my kid's birthday party. I got to get, right, get right. fighting. And, and sometimes, you know, those concussive situations, I think he described to a, to a T, but, I mean, the heart and the mentality and every other attribute you want to throw at this guy was, I thought that was unbelievable. You couldn't have been happier for a guy just to go through that adversity against a, a younger, stronger guy and, uh, you know, and to get through that like that, that was sheer experience, man. It's just, that's, that's what being in the game that long and, you know, understanding what you have to do to survive and then go win after that is, I think that's what we saw on display, but I, I was blown away by that, man. There are so many athletes on this roster that just want to stay in a fight when they're getting beat the fuck up so badly. Now, I don't know what percentage of fighters are say, looking for a way out or okay with, you know, just letting, you know, covering up in a way that allows the referee to come in. But a lot of athletes on this roster just have that desperation and that desire. And Barboza, I think for the most part has always had it. You know, I look at the Tony Ferguson fight, you know, he's always been able to sort of have that desperation and have that focus. And Ray, I got to imagine you've coached all sorts of different athletes and uh, not all of them have that. No, definitely, 100%. And I'll tell you, John, it starts in the training room. I'm sure he trains like a monster because it's fights like that that you have to know in your head that, man, I put in a hard camp. I know I could do this. I mean, for the guys that, you know, kind of rely on their talent a lot, they don't, you know, they start drifting on, uh, you know, like the cardio aspects of the training camp and, uh, you know, maneuvering things around because you might have an injury or something. Those are the guys that don't make it through those times. But the guys that train hard, that really enjoy what they're doing, uh, you know, and again, I mean, main event, I'm sure the money, you know, wasn't as big as like, you know, like a pay-per-view points fight type, you know, what we're going to see next week. To have that drive is, is I, I, I find it fascinating. I really do. Like one of the things about, you know, Volkanovski and some of these other guys jumping up to take the fight, Kenny, is I like, you, you don't know, is it money? You know, they back the truck up to pay these guys because they're in a desperate situation. They don't want to lose the main event. So, you know, I'm always thinking, is he going in for the money? You know, he didn't have a camp. You know, what do we really have here? You know what I mean? So, like Barboza to be in a position like that where, you know, the money is probably good, but not great. Ooh, man, I tell you, he, he found a way to just dig down deep and just go. And you're right. He, that comes from experience. Like John says, he's been there before. Even look, even his fight with Khabib, he got tortured, but he wasn't quitting. And that was a, that was a mauling. You know what I mean? So he's that guy. Yeah, he really is that guy. And you put all of that very well. So a few other bullet points I want to get to on this fight night, and then we'll shift our focus with you to UFC 294. So I want to bring up the Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez fight in the context of these leg kicks. And I know you have a history with Adrian, right? But preparing athletes for a fighter who has this weapon, like what, what do you do? Because I know there's a lot of credit going out to Jonathan Martinez and rightfully so, but there are people who uh, are critical of Yanez for not being more prepared for this particular weapon. Uh, where are we going with this? Cause I really like, uh, well, I'm just curious about the leg kicks because we have talked about them 
over the last three or four years, right? Benson Henderson and Jim Miller, two guys who I think were pioneers a little bit as far as this weapon is concerned in mixed martial arts. We talked about Jim Miller in, I think, the Nate Diaz fight in like 2012. He threw one. And his leg didn't recover for like three or four months. And so for two or three years thereafter, he didn't throw them anymore. I guess I'm just curious, yeah. like if you're preparing, may Rob Dwalish Willie or Aljamain Sterling for Jonathan Martinez, what are you doing in terms of the discourse about leg kicks going in? Right. That's I mean, the look, question. Obviously, you know, he was. Yeah, right. OK, look, there's a couple of things. Giannis is a striker, so he should have been checking the kicks, but that's no picnic either right, on right. either side. You know what I mean? Like whoever has the hardest shit is coming out the winner of that. And we've seen leg breaks from that mismatch lead. So that's a dangerous kick to throw as hard as he was throwing now. I mean, you know, obviously if you get the tie boxing mentality, you don't give a shit. You're just going to throw it. Uh, you know, obviously the grappling, I think would negate that, but like, again, Giannis is more of a striker. You could see his hands were way better when he was throwing, even when he was compromised. Uh, but, uh, yeah, should he have uh, been able to check the kicks or not been there or take it to the floor, mix it up with the takedowns to offset the kicks? Yeah, but I don't think that was his style, and I think uh, I think he paid for it. The, the, the other thing I want to say, too, is Giannis is a great kid, and when Saul Solis died, I think he took over that gym. Like, you see him a lot of times. He's going into the fight, I think, with – other guys in the gym or younger guys. And I think, you know, he probably needs a general now to focus him in because he's a super talented kid. And I think he's, I, and this is going back years ago when he came in, not years yeah. ago, but a couple of years ago, he was kind of running the whole gym, Kenny. He felt that his responsibility to take over for Saul and, you know, bring the other younger kids up. But I think at the level he's fighting at, he needs, now to separate himself and get somebody to run the gym and really go do a camp somewhere because he's a hundred percent has the talent, but yeah. he's got a lot on his plate. That kid, that that's my interpretation. I haven't talked to him. Not even sure. I know what I'm talking about, but based on when I met him, that's what I'm feeling. And, you know, he, you, he, and every time I talk to him, you know, he's, he wants to run that gym and he wants to help everybody out. Mm. And when you're I'm at so the glad high level like this, brought that up. I think that, that's my opinion. I, I I could be wrong, but he's such a nice guy that I and he's a loyal guy that he's going to find it probably hard to do. You know what's best for him. I think he's trying he's trying to make the best out of what he has down there. But I think at this level now, he needs to have somebody he he respects and goes into battle with. That's just my take on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean very difficult to fight at the highest level and, and be coaching on the side, you know, that that's a lot to deal with, man. Um, Ray, huge, huge fight card this weekend, man. We have Kamaru Usman taking out, uh, taking on Hamzat Chimaev. Is, is he the guy to be able to do it? What, what do you think his chances are? You know, he comes from that wrestling background. He's not a small welterweight at all. Um, a lot of people think he might be matching up against uh, Chimaev better than anybody else. Uh, again, here's the thing. He, I, I believe what you said is true. Does he match up good with him in a week's notice? Was he training? Was he compromised? Does he have any injuries? You know, that's that's what I'm saying. Like to me, when I look at the a, a guy jumping in the last minute, uh, I hope he was training and nobody knows it. Like you know what I mean? I hope he was. He had a camp going or he was doing something. Because if not, I think they'll just entice you with money and then you're going to get 
not the guy you want. On paper, Kenny, what you said, I would have loved to have seen those guys fight with a proper camp. I would have loved right. to see Usman fight him with a, with a two-month camp or a six-week camp. On a week's notice, I think that's a pretty tall task. And, you know, how old is Usman now? 37, 38, maybe not quite that old. I'll look yeah. that up. Yeah, but you have to – that's what scares me about the fight is the week's notice, you know, for both guys. Uh, and plus, Camaro's going up against a big, strong guy. You know, we, we've never seen him fight at 85 before. Uh, so very interesting. Very interesting, but, you know, the way it all went down sometimes leads me to believe, you know, people are going in. I hope they, I hope everybody's going in for the right – this is what I hope. I hope everybody's going in for the right reason, and I hope everybody at least was training, and they, they put – you know, they, they're going in there really well prepared. So 36 so think, years of age, by the way. So do you oh, think okay. it's a bigger deal – for Volkanovski going in for a 25-minute fight than you think for someone like Kamar Usman fighting a 15-minute fight? Yeah, that's a good point. I Look, my, I, I like again, I don't know anything. Volk looks like the type of guy that he's always training. He looks like the type of guy that's always in the gym to me. Uh, so, you know, Volk's again, that's a good question. everybody, it, right? Yeah, he Volk's just I, show I, up you know, in fight shape, right? Yeah, look, Volk, I think Volk's a different animal, man. And I think we, we might see, because like what you just said with the 25 minutes, you could see a Volk coming out and trying to finish that, take some more, you know, take some risk early to get him out of there. You know what I mean? I think they both know each other. They, you know, there's no, the difference, Kenny, is there's no surprises in that fight. They right. fought before. You know what I mean? So I think you could eke another 10 minutes out. Usman and the other guy, you don't know what you're getting. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know what you're getting with Usman. We don't know, you know, what we're getting with the other guy. Uh, you know, we've seen him miss weight at 70, but at 85, he's probably going to be on weight. And he's a he's a, he's a, a young beast. And let's, uh, I mean, I, I could see Camaro's path to beat him. I just hope he's in shape and he's uninjured, you know, when he goes in there to, to be able to put up a good fight. But Volk's a, Volk's a different animal. Like, again, I think the comfortability, you know, he's going up in weight. He's got nothing to lose. He's, he's, He's a, a complete pound for pound great at forty five, and it's just it just just doesn't. He's in a win win. I, I I think you know if he loses, he loses to you know a guy at fifty five who's the champion. If he wins, he's the, the what a great story that is. So Volk's an interesting fight, and I think Volk's you know like when you talk to him, John, he's just a calm, cool, very calculate you know he enjoys it uh he's a different beast i think so i think it's a little different but you're right the 10 minutes is is a problem but they've been there before so he he has a good grasp on it. i think it puts i think it makes you comfortable right instead of the unknown yeah volkanovsky is as mentally fortified an athlete as i have come across oh. he did have an arm surgery though after his last fight and he also appeared to have some sort of cut that needed stitches, right? So it's not as though you're getting 100% optimal Alexander Volkanovsky. And in a matchup that maybe lends itself to him having his cardio be as good as it could possibly be, maybe he is giving up a little bit there. In terms of what he has to lose, you could certainly argue he's not going to get another shot at the lightweight championship with Islam Akashev as the champion if he is able to lose, if he loses this fight and heaven forbid in one-sided fashion. So 
I think it's a little bit tired to suggest he has nothing to lose, but I do feel like he wouldn't step in if he was not prepared. In terms of what Ray no, said, no. oh, we do still have Ray. We just lost your picture, but you're still there audio-wise. Oh, That's- I got it. Hold on a second. I got it. It's episode 442. Okay. Yeah, you Thank you. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, wait, wait, John, let me just say, Please. I think focus. I think focus. that guy. My point is, when you get these last-minute matchups, it's always, you know, because I've been involved in a couple of them. You know the guys. He's been training, but it's going to be a little different. And right. for the guys that are mentally strong, like I think like a Volkanowski, I think that, that he finds a way to do it. I don't think it's a problem. And the fact that he's fought before and he, he knows the terrain that way, I think helps him out too. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. From a betting perspective, you can get Volkanovsky right now north of plus 200. Perhaps he would be closer to plus 150, given the competitive nature of the first fight, if he did have what amounted to a full training camp. But it's going to be very interesting. And, uh, you know, I think Islam Akashev deserves credit as well, right? Can we please not forget? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Defend his title for the first time in Australia against Alexander Volkanovsky. Went and did that. I thought maybe he won four of those five rounds, right? And now he's fighting him on short notice as well. You know, Volk's getting all the credit, but uh, how about a modicum of credit no, as no. Well for Islam Akashev and for Hamza Chimaev, except in Kamar Usman when he was training for Paolo Costa. Ray, I do want to circle back to something you said about doing things for the right reasons. So right. Kamar Usman is 36 years of age, so a little bit younger than I thought. He'll be 37 in May. He's not on a path right now to get his welterweight title back, even though he's the number one contender because of the two head-to-head losses to Leon Edwards. I suppose if Colby Covington wins later this year, perhaps that changes things in a positive way for Kamar Usman. But it's a three-round fight, right? It's up at 85, doesn't have to cut a lot of weight. And I think because he's not the type of athlete that ever really lets himself go, I think he's pretty confident going to Abu Dhabi, right? He stepped up on short notice and fought Masvidal in Abu Dhabi when it was supposed to be someone else or a different date, right? So, right, there was yeah. this story about him putting the Bud Light down, right? So he does have experience not just fighting in Abu Dhabi, but stepping up on short notice. And I do think he's going to have a lot of mental confidence just in the fact that he can go hard for 15 and it ain't 25. Listen, man, the guy, first of all, Usman, he's, he's a stud. I'm just offering up stuff to, you know, for conversation. He's no, 100% of, of studies. He's got a great team behind him. It's just, you know, a week's notice for a championship fight, man, that's a that's a big ask. That's a big ask, man. That's what I say. Yeah. That's the interesting part. These will be two huge upsets for me just based on jumping in there and taking that fight. Like, yeah. I mean, if you got the confidence and you're that much better, I mean, but – these guys are going up against the, everybody. Look, the four of these guys, uh, look, the two proven guys out of the four of Volk, really proven. I mean, Volk and uh, Camaro, Islam's right there too at this point. But the other guy is proven, but he hasn't been around that long. And, you know, cardio could be a problem. Uh, I think we saw him fading in the uh, Burns fight a little bit, Kenny. No? Towards Who's the that? end. And I think. Uh, uh, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the that's the issue. But that was at seventy. You know, like <laughs> did he drain himself, and that that was responsible for that? So, right. Uh, look, yeah, that's another factor. Hamzat at eighty five yeah. and not seventy. Uh, right, I'm, we don't I'm, know. There's this. Yeah, I, I was going to say I'm with you, John. I, I have a hard time believing that both of these guys are taking these fights. 
without thinking that they're in a good position to win it. It, it, these are big fights for these guys. You have Usman who could potentially fight for the belt at 185 pounds. Um, he has been a professional in my experience. This guy's training quite often. I don't think he kind of gets off the couch and goes, hey, give me the spot or the UFC would even give him the spot at this stage of the game. I think he's been training probably not for something like a, a fight uh, this close on the horizon, but I do think he's He's training, and he understands the matchup that's in front of him, and he believes that he can win this fight. I think the same goes for Volkanovski, and I think they it, it could be easy to kind of um, underestimate these guys because of that reason. But uh, for for guys like Volkanovski, Usman, champions, former champions, yeah. they're they're professionals, man. I, I think they're going to have a lot more than people expect. Not ideal, but I think in a lot of ways it could be an advantage because. You're not beaten down at the end of camp. You still have that that hunger, that freshness. And if you feel like you're in a, a good shape and can get in great shape over the next course of like 10 days or so, hey, who knows, man? Yeah. No, I look, I love it. Yeah, go ahead, John. What no, I was just going to say, Israel Adesanya and Kamar Usman are exceedingly close. And I just feel like when Sean Strickland won that title in September, Usman probably – inner monologue wise was just thinking I have a head to head win over Sean Strickland. I'm going to get in shape. There's a possibility here that I could step up on short notice in a big spot and become the middleweight champion. It's not out of the realm of possibility, Ray, the floor is yours. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, for all of that, I mean, but you know, like, again, that's all good, I think, but as you get older, like your brain is going to think exactly what you're saying, but your body might not agree with you. Not, not that they're that old, but you have to put in the right training camps. I mean, look for, because I see, like, when I'm training people, you're always working around injuries, and that just gets worse and worse and worse as the mm. guy gets older. So, uh, you know, you know, did we hear Adesanya talking? Like, you know, he was on the tail end of his career. I thought that guy was looking great. You know, to hear him talk like that, like I just wanted to make the most out of my last couple of fights, that took me by surprise. Am I uh, alone with that, or did everybody see that coming? Well, I... I guess I would be surprised if he only fights two or three more times, but I think that there's a lot of reflecting going on right now. And, uh, you know, the buildup to this fight while short also had this documentary and a lot of different things in his life. I just think he's doing a lot of thinking right now. And, uh, I'm sure too. When he's sitting on the couch, you know, he checks his Bank of America statement and it looks pretty good. <laughs> I anyway. know, John, that's that's my point, John. Volkanovski could check his bank account too, but he's going to jump in there. But they, listen, but his they're going to open up. Doesn't the, look like Adesanya's just yet. No, that I, is my yeah, informed right. speculation. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. But you know, people are happy at different levels of their financial no success. Well, I don't know. You know, look, I don't know right. the guy. I don't know right. anything like that, but. My point is that they're like for these fights, like uh, look, look at it this way. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of this point. I don't know why it hit me in the head like that, but uh, like if you were to say to Kamaru, so, you know, we'll pay you 250 grand. To, he's not fighting. I guarantee he doesn't right. take the fight. Right. Of course. But some up and coming guy, some up and coming guy for 250 is jumping right in there. I'm just saying you hit a point in your life where, you know, things become, you know, financial also, like when you're, when you're on your way to your top, you don't give a shit what's going on. You just want, you know, that end prize. Right. And then you start thinking and things change a little bit. You get old, you get injuries. I got a family. Maybe if I could have two more big payday, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know that I'm just saying the way this came about, you're not just offering the guy, 
what, what he thinks he's getting. You have to offer more money to entice him in there. And is that enticement going to override where that guy of was course. at in his training camp? That's, sure. all, that's all I'm saying. It, no, it's a it, fair you got all, yeah, all professional guys, all guys that know how to fight. And I think when you're staying in shape, yeah, any, anything is possible. So I'm just – my point is I'm just hoping they were all in camps. Yeah. They were all technically not obviously ready for a championship fight, but they were training, they were feeling good, and they can make that adjustment on a week. I think yeah. that's very fair. If they were in camp, we don't know that, though. Only they right. know that. We don't know the behind-the-scenes thing. For the first time in Kamar Usman's career, he is going to be cornered by both Trevor Whitman and Henry Hooft, which I think is a little bit interesting. But I think your overriding wow. point is well taken, Ray, that you know, Kamar Usman can make $15,000 for a Hallerhead appearance. He can make $750,000 to show up one night against Hamzat Chimaev and uh, might actually beat the guy. All right, last thing I wanted yeah. to just get to with you, and it's about Hamzat Chimaev because we just spent – not intentionally, a quarter of an hour on Kamar Usman. But Kenny, I want your thoughts on this as well, because there are certain MMA fighters that when they hit that canvas, there's just something undeniably special about that moment in time, that sporting event, whether there are championship stakes or not. And dating to Kamzat Shimaev's UFC debut on Fight Island, Jan July 15th, 2020 against John Phillips. I'll never forget it. Of course, he fought 10 days later. Like, if you hook me up, Kenny, to a heart monitor when Hamzat Shimaev hits the octagon, I don't know that any fighter in a non-championship setting, I'm trying to put this articulately, gives me the type of special feeling that Hamzat Shimaev does. And part of it's because he doesn't compete all that often. Part of it's because maybe he's fucking crazy. You know, he's 12-0. and 0. I just... I just really want to see this guy in an active competition cycle. And I can't, I'm just so thankful that they kept him on the card. And uh, I just can't wait to see what he does with another big fight. He's the fucking man. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, I do think he's got a certain talent or, or realness to him when he does get on the mic. But I think more than anything else, I think we all get excited when he's walking out to the cage because we know exactly what we're going to get with Jemayev. He is there to fight. He's there to beat your face in. Um, he, he's not in there to kind of uh, do anything other than get you out of there as quickly as possible. Um, so he's got that certain electricity of, let's say, uh, Mike Tyson from back in the day where yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. out, there's an electricity in the crowd. I mean, I still remember, I get chills when I think about him when he walked out and he sat on the top of the cage just so relaxed <laughs> and it's just it, it's not a front he's not him just trying to be something he really is that dude he's he's a wild man he's a wild man yeah. who loves to fight and uh I, i'm really excited about this one against Usman. i was very excited about the one against costa i know this is an ideal timing for someone like a kamara uzman but i i think we're gonna find out just how good this dude is because i i still i'm not sure um, but if he goes out there and starches someone like a Kamaru Usman or has a war with someone like Usman over the course of 15 minutes, it still says a ton about how good this individual is. So I, I can't wait, man. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay. I think why well, you get those chills is there's that unpredictability factor. Like, you know, you go back and look at some of Tyson's old interviews where I, I just saw an interview where somebody asked him a question he, he didn't like or he took personal. Dude, it was frightening, man. It was scary. 
Like that, that's that's what I think you're feeling, eh, John, is that that guy could jump over the cage and grab you by the neck, and it might be a problem. But right. I, he's, he, he's a loose cannon, uh, and he fights his balls off, and I think that's what people like. But I think that's why you get that there's that little – unpredictability yeah. no, you're with right. him that you don't know like which way he's going to go and what's going to set him off. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the other thing. So uh, I think, look, I agree. Super, super excited for the card, super excited for the, the changeups. Uh, you know, you got such marquee value in all those names. It's, it's just the, that that's the, that's the good part to me, man. You want, you want to see it and you want to see, you know, comms that get tested, you know, the wrestling is his strong point. He's going up against a guy that could wrestle. Uh, it's it's just great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as hell. And it's 2 p.m. your time on a Saturday, right? We got an early pay-per-view window this weekend, a little cold brew for Ray Longo. If you want Whoa. to follow the man on X, it's at Ray Longo MMA. You can also <laughs> find him on uh, his second Instagram page as we try to get in touch with Mark Zuckerberg. But the Instagram is at Ray Longo MMA 9358. Raymond. Pleasure's all on the side of the table. We'll talk to you next Monday. Okay? <laughs> hey, guys. I got to tell you something about the Instagram thing. It's not the best business move, but I tell you, being off of like social media a little less, you know, yeah. little more is not a bad thing. That's all I could say. <laughs> you know, because some, some of these things I go back to people bring to me in the gym, you can't unsee, and uh, it's yeah. not good. Yeah. So it's a nice little break, Kenny, if you want to try it. <laughs> I, I just might. Hey, have a great day and a better evening. We'll talk to you next week. All right, right? guys. Right. All right, take it easy, guys. Take All care. Right, there he is, the great Ray Longo with us every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I would say the only other athlete maybe who gets my heart rate going on that Shimaev level, and it's for different reasons, is actually our next guest. He is the consensus greatest bantamweight of all time. Fresh off the call of Edson Barboza and Sadiq Yusuf, Dominic Cruz joins us in advance UFC 294. What's up, champ? Looking good. Is that Monty Rex? What are you wearing today? You always look good. <laughs> oh, I can't hear Dom. Maybe he's on mute. Are you on mute, oh, champ? My bad. That was there. You are. I'm looking like a boomer right there. I said, "Isn't uh, isn't isn't Annex so nice, Florian? He always has the nicest words." <laughs> he does. He's got a lot of nice words. He's so no, nice. I, well, thank you. It is Monorex. Monorex, I mispronounced it, but it's great to see you. And we appreciate a quarter of an hour of your time here. So uh, you were on the call in Las Vegas this weekend. I was just sort of talking about Hamzat Shimaev. When there's a UFC championship fight about to happen, right? Like I'm so excited as just a UFC fan, whether I'm calling the fight or not. But I said, if there's any athlete on the roster that sort of gets my system going in a special way, even when there's not a title on the line. It's Hamzat Shimaev. I know you've been there, obviously, for some of his biggest wins. You called the knockout against Gerald Mershart. I'm just excited to fucking go to Abu Dhabi to watch this dude fight. Well, there's so much mis <clears throat> mystery around him, I feel like, right? Like, there's just, there's so much we don't know. One, he's on the other side of the world, and when he comes over here, he's got to hurry up and go back. So that's right. a big thing. that's a big thing in itself that sparks the interest of us as humans. Like um, we don't know what his world is like separate from fighting. We don't know what his uh, world is like in fighting still. We haven't even seen him completely tested in fighting. So there's so many, like, he's just a big question mark. I think that's what's what sparks the interest the most. Do you think that's why someone like a Kamar Usman is willing to take this kind of challenge on short notice? Because, it's hard to get a read on, on how good he is. We saw a little bit of that against Gilbert Burns, 15-minute war. But, 
I don't know. Why do you think Usman's taking this shot? Honestly, there's only one reason Usman takes this shot. One reason and one reason only, and we know what it is, Florian. What is it? He thinks he can win. Okay. I I don't think that's it. Okay. (laughs) I I think it's money. Really? Okay. Yeah. This was interesting because this is what I was curious about. Is he taking this? Is he taking this fight because he thinks it's a great financial opportunity or does he think he's at this point of his career where, hey, he can make a run at 185 pounds and become a champion in that division? And now that Adesanya, his buddy, is gone. Well, it's both things. I'm not saying he's not confident. I don't want to like he does believe he can win. I believe I can be champion when you're still like right here, whether you're in if you're in the top 10, I mean, you get a three fight win streak, you can get a title shot. Winning three fights is not impossible at this level. It's been done. We've got guys on six to nine fight win streaks in the UFC right now. So very doable. Usman, I think he believes in himself completely, but this is a money thing. Like you don't take this fight on short notice against a question mark on the other side of the world, unless you're getting something that's like, oh man, I'm worth that to you. That, that will like, it's easy to get respect for a fighter if you pay them what they, what, you know, and I think that Usman's getting what he deserves to be paid. And so he's going and doing his job. I think that's always what it comes down to. Like, I think a lot of times it gets misconstrued that we don't want to fight because we're, you know, weak or scared or don't want to put our title on the line or don't want, no, we aren't fighting because it's not worth the money you're offering us. Right. It's like right. we're we have a we have a self-worth as well. I put my 25 years of my life into this thing to be what everybody wants to watch on short notice. And <clears throat> if you're not gonna offer me a bag that that proves my worth and shows me that you respect me and what I can do, I mean, why? Why wouldn't you? Right. I'm you're, you're calling me. And I think right, that right. Dana and the UFC did do that for Usman. And I think that he said yes because of that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The great Dominic Tom's influencing me. UFC Bantamweight champion with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So on your Instagram page, sometimes you feel so compelled, seemingly by a performance that you immediately push out some sort of recap or some sort of content. So it would seem to me that you were pretty inspired by what Edson Barboza did so last Saturday night, so much so that you went back to your house and, and cranked out some content. Yeah, I usually don't do that. You know, I'm working on it. Uh, huh. And it's always telling me, <clears throat> put that stuff out there. So, well, I I, uh, I did it because I was taken back by that fight, to be honest. I got home and, you know, sometimes you get home, you know, Anik, you get done calling these fights and you're just, you're wound up. I'm wound up. I'll speak for myself. I get really wound right. up calling these fights. I'm still an active fighter. A lot of times I've got to set all my own, um, per, like, you know, not a lot of the times, every time I go into that job, I got, I get to set aside my entire career and put, um, the competitor's career ahead of me. So that, that alone just spike, just brings my heart rate up to 150 beats per minute before the show. Right, right. And then you got to add the fact that this is an adrenaline filled match going on in front of me. People are killing each other and it's very intense. So all that I get home and I'm just, Sometimes I got to go run. Sometimes I, most of the time I got to go train directly following these, these shows. And when it came to this one, um, I was a little sore from the training before. So I had the night off. So I didn't, I didn't train and I talked. And when it came to 
that fight, man, when you were there, it's different. You know, some people, it's so crazy when you see like, you see online how simple it is for people to put a comment like, ah, the fight was all right, but I can't wait to see this one. It's like, <laughs> it, it just, it's like, he gets you right here. Cause you watch these guys. If you know how much pain they went through, like Barbosa, the, the amount of pain he went through in that first round, nobody could uh, really, you can't, you can't verbalize. Like he took an absolute beating in the first round. Yeah. Beating to death. He got yeah. beat to death Yeah, and stayed up somehow. And Sadiq Yusuf is not, I've trained with him. So to watch him take that from Sadiq is why I said what I said, because I've right. trained with Sadiq. I know what he is. That guy is an animal. He's so strong, so durable, so, so fast. And more than anything, the determination of that squad team, Lloyd Irvin, their team, like you don't break them. They're in, they're unbreakable. And so for Barbosa to go in there and go the five rounds knowing, all right, there's a good chance. I'm not going to break this guy, but I'm going to use my experience and use my, um, basically win the chess match and do it that way. It was just inspiring for me to watch He's 37 years old. And, um, you know, Sadiq's just going to keep rising and probably become a champion. I really do see him becoming mm. a champion in the future. I think he's that good. Um, it's just that to watch Barbosa do that was really cool. It was fun to watch. I learned a lot from it. And oh, Sadiq's oh, only 30 years of age. Sorry, Ken Flo, right? And yeah, he had lost to Arnold Allen previously in the UFC, right? But the amount of knowledge and information now that he has from yeah. those 25 minutes with Edson Barbosa, absolutely, of resource. Yeah, the first 25-minute fight. Right. First one. So right. just think your first five round bout, you're going against Barbosa in the main event. That's a title fight. This is the thing that nobody's talking about these days is that is a title fight for, not, yeah. for no, with no title. Dom, I, I know you're always looking at uh, the up and coming talent at 135 pounds. Uh, two great fights at 135 pounds. Simon and Christian Rodriguez, um, uh, Martinez and Yanez was awesome as well. Out of those two guys that won, Christian Rodriguez or Jonathan Martinez, who's the guy that you think is going to do more in that division? Who's the guy to watch for you? Martinez, Gutierrez, Simon, all those guys. Or I'm um, sorry, uh, Chris. Um, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, there's two Chris's. There's Chris. uh, yeah, a lot of Chris, Chris Gutierrez, Chris Gutierrez, Rodriguez. Yeah. Thank you. You get where I'm at. Between those yeah. three that, that won, um, I think it's going to be a toss up between Jonathan and Chris. They fight extremely similar. You can tell that they're training partners, you know, right. Right. They're, they, they're pretty much identical with their tactics. It's mm -hmm. just that they have their own way of setting it up. So that was cool to watch from that team. Um, when it comes to, to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the other Chris, uh, Rodriguez, he just, he can't keep missing weight and expect people to pay attention. Right. Yeah. No, I started my fight breakdown with the weight miss and it wasn't 136.8. It was 140 pounds. He's really good. Yeah. But you got to make weight. That five yeah. pound kills me every time. Like kills me that lot. If I don't have to lose that five pounds, I'll fight 145. Right. Yeah. It's just fight 145. If you can't lose it, then right. Because that's the thing is it's discipline and it's, it's professional to be disciplined. Yeah. And if you're not disciplined, then you're not professional. Yeah. No, I agree. 
It's always interesting for me to hear you talk about the juxtaposition that you're in when it comes to calling fights of your bantamweight contemporaries, right? As the guy who built this division, as this division's most decorated champion. Now, Ken Flo dealt with this a little bit during his career where he was having to put over fellow lightweights. And especially on MMA Live, he had to do it all the time, but he wasn't always having to do it calling fight. Like Jonathan Martinez is a guy who has asked for a fight with you publicly. You know, and then you got to go on television and suck his dick for 15, 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> Dude, thank you for kind of putting it in your own words. But, um, you know, I, I kind of try to bob and weave and slip and do all that more than any other stuff that you're talking about. But um, when it comes down to that, you're not wrong. Like, I've got to go on there and pretty much fluff this guy up for the entire <laughs> fight. And I don't get to say anything that's real because this is the thing that people don't really know about fighting is you've got the real self. You got me, the one you're talking to now, which the ego doesn't need to exist here. It really doesn't. I don't need it. I'm not competing. I'm not in a life and death scenario. But when you put me into a fight scenario, I become nothing but ego because that is what's going to help me survive this scenario right now. Like I have to be my ego to kill you or you will kill me. That being said, how do I find that balance in that seat? And as a competitor, while they're calling me out, while I know they don't, they, they want to fight me, it's just part of the job. I get to, you know, you get to work with it. It's a, it's quite a lesson for me, um, every single time. And, uh, I learn a lot from it and it's a gift to be able to be here. So that's how I look at it, to be able to support the other fighters, really honestly explain how good they are. I do enjoy doing that. Like watching Chris Gutierrez explain the feints and the fakes in between on how he sets up his kicks. Jonathan Martinez being able to take that inside kick and flawlessly throw it just off of feints and then set up his hands from the kicks. Both of those guys do that. Watching, um, you know, Chris Rodriguez be able to stay in the pocket, not move really far. Most guys in MMA take really jump, leap back really big out of the pocket when something gets thrown at him. Uh, when I watched Rodriguez, he made leaps and bounds in. He's like the boxers where you slip two centimeters out and then bop, he's clipping you and he's countering you. So I'm watching these things of all these guys and what a gift to get to watch it, explain it, share it with the world that this is their skill set that makes them different. They're all in my weight class, but they're all completely different from me in every way. Yeah. They all have different tools that make them the greatest fighters on earth. And as a, as a um, fan of the sport that, you know, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy watching that. I enjoy learning from these guys. These are all tools I can learn from them, whether I want to admit it or not. Dominic Cruz with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I just have two more questions and uh, I hope I'm not stepping out of turn, but when you hear Dom's answer there, it just speaks to how much you've worked on yourself to put yourself in a position to be filled with gratitude and to be able to maturely handle that situation. You've obviously helped me with my mental health in terms of leaning into the gratitude and all of those things. But I thought that answer in particular speaks to all the self-work that you have done before we get you out of here with a question about your career. I just have to ask you about this rematch that's coming up this weekend, Islam Akashev against Alexander Volkanovsky for the UFC lightweight title, because you were in Perth, Western Australia earlier this year. You called the first fight and you seem to intimate during the call that you felt like in a rematch, you not only suggested wisely that we were going to see this again, but that you felt like Volk could really weaponize cardio and pace in a second meeting. Now, he still might be able to do that, but he did not have a full training camp for this fight. So what are your thoughts with that type of theme in your mind uh, as we get ready for the rematch this weekend? Yeah, I mean, well, he's just coming off of that elbow surgery, right? Yeah, arm surgery of some kind. Yep. 
And do we have any information on how long ago that was? No, but he had a cut on his face that was stitched up within the last like five weeks, which suggests he's been doing something. Well, that suggests that that also means he's not sparring. So, and it also means he's not wrestling. So cuts also slow down. So that means that his two, that could mean two things like the cut and the surgery tell me two things that, yeah, you can train, but you're not training the way you know you need to. Um, Cardio is probably what he's doing. So, I'm assuming that if he stayed on the, on the gas pedal, like he seems like he would, like you do when you're champion, you just stay in shape because you know, they're going to give you the next best guy in the world. So he's probably just stayed on the sprints, stayed in superior cardio shape. The problem is when you have uh, surgery on elbows and cuts, you can't wrestle because it, it will mess up the cut, mess up the surgery. So if you're not wrestling, what's the one thing you need to be able to do with, with, Magachev is wrestle and there's only one way to get in shape for wrestling and it's to wrestle. I just, there just really is no other way. You can run as much as you want. You can lift as much as you want. Those all supplement and help your performance while you're wrestling, but nothing, nothing supplements conditioning like wrestling, right. just wrestling. So that's what Makachev smashes everybody with. He out wrestles them. So the one gift that I gave to Volkanovsky in this second meeting would have been cardio he has to wrestle to have cardio and he's been hurt. Right. So I'm like, I'm not That's saying he tough. can't do it. We don't really know if he's been wrestling or not. There's no actual fact evidence. If I know that for all I know, he wrestled anyways. Right. And, and he's a hundred percent ready, but judging from my own experience of cuts and surgeries, I would say he's not wrestling that much. And that, that does uh, suffer the, the cardio example which yeah. he'll need. He'll need right. again that guy right. that an animal with his cardio already. Right. All right. Well, I know you've been to Abu Dhabi. You call Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier, but you will not be with us this weekend. I'll let, I'll let you get out of here on this. So I know that uh, there's a lot of misinformation about Dominic Cruz's birthday on the internet, but he was born March 9th, 1985. That's right. 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 That's right. All right. That's right. So, there's a UFC pay-per-view Saturday, March 9th, 2024 in Miami. Oh, it's in Miami. I think you might be breaking Miami. some news. Well, either way, I know sometimes <laughs> you take your birthday off. Right. Uh, but I just wanted to say uh, that seems like a pretty good timeline maybe to come back on your 39th birthday. Yeah. You're not wrong. And um, what I haven't been real vocal about it because, you know, I'm so tired of saying, Oh, I've been hurt. Like, it's just it gets old so i just don't say anything i go away for a little while and shut up and just do my job but now that i'm back and my shoulder is um feeling a little bit better i did the stem cells stem cells at cpi really did make a huge difference i couldn't throw certain punches and now i'm throwing them again so i'll keep adding to the pyramid and getting building that body up and then yeah that sounds like that doesn't sound like a bad idea for me that's that's a target and I, i am working towards another fight yes all right. Well, if you want more from Dominic Cruz at Dominic Cruz on Instagram, you can check out all this merchandise and everything going on with the greatest band and weight of all time. We appreciate your time, brother. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, man. Thank you so much for hopping on. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. See you, Dom. There he is, former two time UFC Bantamweight champion, the always insightful Dominic Cruz. It is so interesting breaking down these UFC 294 fights, and I'm going to stop it down there because we have another show coming up later this week, but there are so many unknowns, and I thought Dom hit on a lot of them when it comes to Kamzat Chimaev, right? Right. 
We know a little bit more. We have more intel because of the Gilbert Burns fight. We always knew Hamzat she might have wanted this war. Well, ask and you shall receive. He got it against Gilbert Burns, albeit a little bit of an undersized welterweight, right? But what exactly do we have here in the 12 and 0 Hamzat Shumayev? You're getting more answers this Saturday night live on pay per view. And we're right back on the DraftKings Network and DraftKings YouTube channel coming up this Thursday with a complete preview and predictions for UFC 294. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Domina Cruz. Don't forget, johnannick.com is now live. You can get all of your merchandise there. Kenny Florian, martialarts.com. Kenny Florian also involved with Argus Integrated Defense. And I'm just telling you, folks. One of my favorite Instagram follows at Argus Integrated Defense. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrow, just continuing to enhance this fine, fine program graphically and otherwise. We appreciate always having him at the controls. And thanks, of course, to all of you for listening and watching. Tell your friends, subscribe to the DraftKings YouTube channel. That helps us greatly, as does the merchandise sales. JohnAnnick.com, 20% off all merchandise through UFC 294 this weekend. With that, for the great Kenny Florian, I'm John Anik. We will talk to you in 72 hours. Until then... Yo fucking later. Every time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war. Your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop. You got it. Every time you walk in the label, the A&R's like, not it. Immune to your shit because I circle, circle, dot, dotted. Body heat is intoxic. We got a beat. I don't got it. Speak copies. He start to think psychically. Make the speakers peak elitistly. Off the high horse. Make an ass of the views. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ Got those in six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid school I'm Raider Ellis, nice to meet you Short bust of my styles Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent flyers miles DJ wants to get in the bird, he gets in the bird And bird takes the shot He's- You wanna sit it on us? We got commitment